This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone, here and around the world. Thanks so much for your good energy and support. We're about to break through 260,000 subscribers and climbing. Please keep reaching out in the chat and comments with your firsthand military experiences and your abduction, high strangeness with other intelligences. There's a lot going on, including confusing messages from the Pentagon. January 26, 2024, UK Daily Mail, quote, What are they trying to tell us? Internal Pentagon report by the Office of Inspector General warns that America is unequipped to defend itself from an alien invasion. A newly declassified document found that the Department of Defense, DOD, lacks comprehensive or coordinated effort to track and analyze UFO UAPs. DOD efforts to identify and understand UAPs has been irregular because of competing priorities, lack of substantive progress, and inconclusive findings, close quote. Three days later, on January 30th, 2024, came this Hill headline, quote, what has happened to the Pentagon's former UFO hunter, close quote. And they are talking about Sean Kirkpatrick, who never really hunted UFOs. Instead, back in July 2022, after he was named director of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, also known as Arrow, Kirkpatrick began criticizing those who talked about UFOs interacting with Earth, as if he was deliberately muddying the waters about the extraterrestrial source of UAP UFOs. The Hill's news report ended on a question that all of us wanting truth are asking, quote, why would a former Pentagon official continue a long tradition of obfuscation and distortion about the enduring mystery of UFOs, close quote. As recently as December 13, 2023, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, was warning that, quote, multiple credible sources allege that elements of the U.S. government have illegally withheld UFO-related information from Congress, close quote. Senator Schumer's concern makes sense when authentic documents, such as this Psalm 101 manual, printed in April 1954, have been leaked since the 1990s. The whole title is, quote, Psalm 101 Majestic 12 Group Special Operations Manual, Extraterrestrial Entities and Technology Recovery and Disposal, Top Secret Magic Eyes Only, close quote, by the Majestic 12 Group, printed in April 1954 with the U.S. War Office stamp that was still used in the 1950s. Longtime and now retired McDonnell Douglas aerospace physicist Bob Wood, Ph.D., 
and his son Ryan Wood, CEO of Electric Fusion Systems, Inc. in Broomfield, Colorado, reproduced the Psalm 101 manual from 35mm Tri-X black and white film that a whistleblower leaked in 1994 to Don Berliner, an Aviation Week and space technology reporter in Washington, D.C. And then, four years later, by 1998, Bob and Ryan Wood had brought together 15 secret leaked documents into this black and white bound printing of, quote, Executive Correspondence XPD, the Majestic Documents, close quote. This past weekend, I talked to Ryan Wood about the internecine warfare ongoing now between the Pentagon and Congress that echoes what Lieutenant Colonel Philip J. Corso wrote about in his very important book, released in 1997, The Day After Roswell. It's on my library shelf, always behind me. Its subtitle is, quote, A former Pentagon official reveals the U.S. government's shocking UFO cover-up, close quote. Dwight D. Eisenhower was president of the United States from January 20th, 1953, until January 20th, 1961. Colonel Corso was a member of President Eisenhower's National Security Council and former head of the Foreign Technology Desk at the U.S. Army's Research and Development Department. UFOs were a big secret then, too. And also very secret were the bloodless, trackless animal mutilations that were first reported in this genuine document with multiple classified stamps ranging from secret and top secret to magic and ultra, and a bottom left stamp, JCS file copy, which is Joint Chiefs of Staff in the Pentagon. This leaked document, originally dated July 22, 1947, by authority of AC of S, which is Assistant Chief of Staff, of G2 in the U.S. War Department. But at the bottom of the cover page, there are 1960 dated authority lines for, quote, Lieutenant General John A. Samford, director of the NSA, which is the National Security Agency, and approved by Alan Dulles, director of the CIA. Page two is further titled, quote, Top Secret, Ultra, Interplanetary Phenomenon Unit Summary Intelligence Assessment with a File Reference Number. Paragraph 1, quote, The extraordinary recovery of fallen airborne objects in the state of New Mexico between 4 July to 6 July 1947. Paragraph 2, quote, At 23.32 Mountain Standard Time, which was a half hour before midnight on July 3, 1947, radar stations in East Texas and White Sands Proving Ground, New Mexico, tracked two unidentified aircraft until both dropped off radar. Quote, two crash sites have been located close to the White Sands Proving Ground. Landing Zone 1 was located at a ranch near Corona, approximately 75 miles northwest of the town of Roswell, 
Landing Zone 2 was located approximately 20 miles southeast of the town of Socorro at latitude 33, 40, 31, and longitude 106, 28, 29. Oscura Peak being the geographic reference point, close quote. The added Landing Zone 3 at the bottom of this map is my reporter's notations after a source in my investigations told me that a third UFO came down that same late July 4, 5, 1947 on the Mescalero Indian Reservation northeast of Alamogordo and Holloman Air Force Base. And now to a recent discussion I had about all of this with Ryan Wood, now CEO of Electric Fusion Systems, Inc. in Broomfield, Colorado. I've known Ryan and his dad, Bob Wood, since the 1980s, and here we are with Rich Dolan at a UFO conference on January 23, 2006, 18 years ago. When we all met in a UFO conference back in 1998, you and your dad had published the Majestic Documents, and I remember going through them and getting to these words, quote, The most disturbing aspect of this investigation was there were other bodies found not far from Landing Zone 1 that looked as if they had been dissected as you would a frog. It is not known if Army field surgeons had performed exploratory surgery on these bodies. Animal parts were reportedly discovered inside the craft at Landing Zone 2, but this cannot be confirmed. The team has reserved judgment on this issue. Our assessment of this investigation rests on two assumptions. One, either this discovery was an elaborate and well-orchestrated hoax, maybe by the Russians, or two, our country the United States has played host to beings from another planet, close quote. And I am reading right now from the top of this document that contained those words, quote, top secret, ultra, U-L-T-R-A, interplanetary phenomenon unit summary, intelligence assessment with a file number. This is going yeah. back to July of 1947. The content is so stunning and arresting that the first thing we tried to do, and then many subsequent trips to the National Archives and other research for the last 25 plus years or so, many things have come out in different ways. The first page, which says, by authority AC of SG2, Assistant Chief of Staff for Intelligence, and the initials are SJC, which stands for Stephen J. Chamberlain. So not signed by Chamberlain, but then when you look it up, sure enough, that's the name of the guy. There's lots of other subtleties that are in there, the, the types of timestamps that were used. Uh, it's a 12-hour timestamp instead of a 24-hour timestamp. Did that really occur then? Even the warning block, it says, this document has been reclassified as an intelligence material affecting the national security and has been upgraded to above top secret with a need-to-know basis. Only those authorized persons with magic access may have access. Downgrading schedule to commence only with approved presidential executive order 
and approval of the U.S. Majestic Intelligence and Security Command. So most people think the president can declassify anything, but this document way back here in 1947 clearly states that there seems to be some law and procedure that it takes more than just the president to say it's declassified, that you have to have it approved and it's appropriate to be declassified. So that's the first cover page. And then the things that caught my attention in this document was around the autopsy of the aliens. Says point 11, as to the bodies recovered from LZ-2, it appeared that none of the five crew members survived entry into our atmosphere due to the unknown causes. Dr. Dietliff Bronk asked to assist in the autopsy of one well-preserved cadaver to be done by Major Charles E. Ray, Medical Corps. So when I saw Charles E. Ray, I said, well, who's this guy? And it turns out that, yes, he went to the University of Minnesota. He was working with Leslie Groves in the Manhattan Project. He was clearly plugged in in the right way. But then I did further investigation and found his daughter, who lived in Seattle, and called her up and talked to her. Although she didn't directly admit that, yeah, my dad told me about this, her response to my question of, do you think your father could have autopsied an alien, she was unhesitant saying, yes, absolutely. This is in the context of number one of this top secret ultra document. Quote, this is about the extraordinary recovery of fallen airborne objects in the state of New Mexico between July 4th to July 6th, 1947. And that would definitely be the Mac Brazel incident between Corona and Roswell. And that means that they were dealing with a craft and bodies right from the very beginning. Absolutely. And it also goes on to talk about one landing zone in the Brazil area, but a second one located approximately 20 miles southeast of the town of Socorro. And when you plug those latitudes and longitudes into the historical maps from 1947, you discover that this is about 800 meters south-southeast of the Trinity atomic bomb burst. And the document says, from what descriptions the team was able to learn and from photographs taken by intelligence photographers, the occupants appear in most respects human with some anatomical differences in the head, eyes, hands, and feet. They have a slight build, about five feet tall, with grayish-pink skin color. They have no hair on their bodies and are clothed with a tight-fitting flight suit that appears to be fireproof for some of the bodies looked as if they had been burned on head and the hands. It is believed that there were male and female genders present, but was hard to distinguish today as we speak in February 2024 a long time later than July of 47. It is very clear that when it comes to these smaller gray types, that our government right now distinguishes between those that are biological and those that are AI and those that are biological and AI cyborgs. And that would explain perhaps why at the beginning 
in the 40s when there were these crashes and our government was going out to investigate that there was a lot of confusion about what they were dealing with. If you add Cape Girardeau from 1941, also being a UFO coming down in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, the investigators there say that the bodies went back to Washington, D.C., and that the conclusion was that there were three and that they were clones. And I've always wondered what it would have been like for Truman and others to hear clones, because the next question would be, where are the clone makers? <laughs> That's right. The, the challenge with these documents are 1947, and the shock has got to be monumental. Which is how it would have stayed quiet, that we look at it through the chaos of today in the 21st century. And back then, one word from the president or the Joint Chiefs of Staff to anybody in those war years, keep your mouth shut. We don't know what we're dealing with, but they seem to be from outer space. We don't know from where, and we don't know why they're here. Everybody keep their mouth shut. And if you jump then to today, what is your personal perspective that we have been living since World War II about 80 years ago in classified reality? Everything has been classified when it comes to UFOs, ETs, what they have found and what they know beyond Earth. And they're protecting huge secrets in gravity and instantaneous communications and is withholding of information because now aerospace all over the planet wants the extraterrestrial technology. And so it has moved from keep everything secret so the public won't be shocked to keep everything secret so we can make another trillion dollars off of X. I agree. But the question is, is it really just about maintaining bases on other planets or something like that that may in fact exist. So I'm thankful that Grush and the testimony came out and that they finally acknowledged UFO crashes that I worked so hard on in 2005 and my book Magic Eyes Only highlight all these around the world crash events. And for more of Ryan Wood's extensive work to open up the truth about UFO phenomena, I want to tell you that I hope all of you will get Magic Eyes Only. It is about 74 UFO crashes on Earth between the years 1897 to present day. It has copyrights original of 2005 and updated in 2024. It is available at Amazon.com. And Nick Pope, who worked for the MOD so-called UFO desk in early 1990s, says, uh, quote, that with Congress having received sworn testimony that the U.S. government is in possession of extraterrestrial spacecraft, this expanded and updated second edition of Magic Eyes Only by Ryan Wood is timely. His meticulous research has resulted in the definitive book on alleged UFO crashes. If just one of the 104 cases documented here is definitively proven, our world will change forever.
And then I want you to uh, consider the AI ufologist book of questions and answers. And this is a copyright 2023 book, also at Amazon.com. And it is the mind, active mind of Ryan Wood, thinking about all of the questions and answers that reporters and people who are not up to speed might want to take in and start thinking about the answers for themselves. And then this book, An Encyclopedia of Flying Saucers, copyright 2007 and updated recently, is also at Amazon.com with the other two books. And this is a very interesting book uh, that was done with Bob Wood uh, talking to a man named Vernon Bowen who had been working on an encyclopedia of flying saucers in his work. And I recommend all three. And again, uh, Ian is putting links to these books in the live chat and also details of the books in the description of tonight's program. And I personally feel that it is really important that we not lose sight of the links between an alien intelligence on this planet and the subjects that everybody wants to go away, animal mutilations and human abductions to be two at the top of the list. If we turn away from them because they make us nervous or they could potentially be dangerous and all of the things that we can dream up in our own minds. But until we break through to the whole huge, we're not alone, and other intelligences have been based on this planet for at least 278 million years, and they're here now and through the, our solar system and beyond, we need to be able to be educated about all of the details of everything good, and bad and neutral. And so I hope tonight that you will look at this uh, have the, the program tonight as an effort to keep educating, keep updating, but not with the idea that we can't all be educated with new information from the government, from the military, from scientists, from doctors about what they really know, so that we could be updated ourselves. And that in the end, it could be that we will evolve to a point where beginning to understand all of it, the big story and what is the need by other life forms or life form for biological tissues and hemoglobin and other chemistries from Earth. It might be a story of compassion from us to them if we knew the whole truth. So with that, dear Ian, I would like to transition to questions and comments. Hi, Linda. Thank you. That was a great presentation. It's always good to hear Ryan Wood on as well. I can also uh, add that his book, The, uh, the Magic, eyes only is an updated version and yes. 
it's also including, I, I think it's now updated to more than 100 crashes. Uh, that's what um, that's what we've we his latest uh, analysis is to actually update it and include even more more uh, crashes and retrievals in that book yeah. itself. Okay, so in the questions tonight, straight off, uh, PCM Denault has has sent us a message. He says, uh, "Wish someone could get Truman admin stuff declassified, including MJ12." What was really in their minds about the ETs, etc.? What did they think they were doing, Truman and MJ-12, about space and how it fits into the USA and world affairs? Well, let me go to The Voice, who is extremely intelligent and experienced in all of this, and I'm talking about Philip J. Corso. Anticipating a question something like that, I copied page 180 and page 181 from the day after Roswell by Lieutenant Colonel Philip J. Corso. And here are his own words from reading, as he told me, so many documents about animal mutilations, human abductions, all sorts of various interactions that they were linking to, we'll call it the alien presence. And as I read these couple of paragraphs, keep in mind that he was of a high uh, access to all kinds of information in the Eisenhower administration in his work. So this is Philip J. Corso writing in his own book, quote, in the Pentagon from 1961 to 1963, I reviewed field reports from local and state police agencies about the discoveries of dead cattle whose carcasses looked as though they had been systematically mutilated and reports from people who claimed to have been abducted by aliens and experimented upon. Local police ha uh, visited and talked with veterinarians who were called to the scene to examine the dead cattle left in the fields and they often found evidence, not just that the animal's blood had been thoroughly taken, but that entire organs were removed with such surgical skill, where there was evidence of crime of someone that might have been doing it as a human, there was no such evidence. And we, humans, had no medical instruments that even remotely approached what the aliens could do. It was as though some device had simply excised the organs with techniques that even went beyond our own surgical precision. And I can say that one of those organs that left many, many, many people stunned over the last 80, 90 years was to open the animal, no excision in the chest, no excision in the abdomen, but open up to do a necropsy in the field, often with uh, a veterinarian who was with either a deputy or a sheriff. And they would find, I'm not saying that there were hundreds of cases, but there were enough, enough of what I'm going to describe to be a true anomaly associated with the alien presence of UFOs and uh, animal mutilations and human abductions. And that was 
the veterinarians would open up the chest and they would find missing organs completely gone, excised perfectly. No fluid, no liquid, no hemoglobin, just dry internal uh, abdomen, chest. And the ones that uh, I have heard the most astonishment by both veterinarians and law enforcement was when they opened up the chest and a cow, a grown cow's heart is like nine by 12 by seven, something like that, it's big. And there'd be no heart, no blood, no fluid, empty jugular where it came out. And, and the pericardium in that one case that I've told you about in Colorado, uh, that Sheriff Tex Graves was there and watched the veterinarian who motioned to him to see what he thought was impossible, that the pericardium that surrounds the heart was collapsed in the chest, but there was no blood, no fluid, even on the pericardium that had to have surrounded the healthy animal before. And this is why long ago, animal mutilations were the separating evidentiary cases that sheriffs and veterinarians and deputies and medical doctors and chemists who were brought in on some of these investigations, even if secretly, they knew. They had no explanation whatsoever for how you would remove perfectly whole organs from inside a body when there was no surgical excisions to get to where the organs were taken and no blood and no fluid on in the inside. I've had to deal for 45 years with the questions that have come to me about how can you report about these animal mutilations because they scare people. Traffic deaths every day, falling off of bridges every day, car cracks, crashes all the time. Humans are being killed in a variety of ways. Animals every day on earth are slaughtered for food. So if you go back to the cases that are definitely have nothing to do with human ability or science, that they're outside of the realm. Every bit of me, every atom in me is. Humans deserve to know all of the truth about what is happening on our planet. If the perpetrators are extraterrestrials from Epsilon Eridani, or another star system, we should know. And that because I have covered so many miles around this planet and have seen so many of these animals and walked in many of the pastures by myself with formalin in plastic, with something to like a scalpel or scissors to cut tissue that could be taken to a lab for analysis, I'm here. The big, bigger box is what is the relationship of other intelligences that are not homo sapien to planet Earth and this solar system? And the information I have is that it goes back at least 278 million years 
to competing extraterrestrial civilizations. For me, that makes reading Ryan's books, my books, Nick's books, Dolan's books, on and on and on. We need to be educated. And I do hope that what this is leading up to, no matter what the Pentagon is trying to resist and how difficult it appears to be now for, let's say, the House uh, subcommittee hearing to keep going and doing more, we'll call them the interviews like they did with Grush and others, so that there is a dialogue that continues and we become educated because I do feel very honestly that a point in time is before us, that, that there is a, an important reason for all of us to be more educated because I think that there is an evolutionary time coming where it will be very important for those humans here to understand bigger pictures. And I'll leave it on that note right now. Ian, I know this was a long and multifaceted uh, answer, uh, and I won't do this for the rest of the, <laughs> the questions. But this is so complicated and yet at the same time simple because it boils down to Earth, humans deserve the truth about other intelligences that are not only in our solar system, but that they are in many other solar systems that are not that far astronomically from us. So Ian, go ahead and I'll, I'll keep my answers shorter after this. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got a, a, a comment here from William Milburn who says, why don't they bring Corso's book and his interview to the Congress? Well, that's a good question. But also, while we're on the subject of Corso, of Colonel Corso, uh, I've got Marty McFly says, does Linda have an opinion on Corso's son and lectures about the time travel aspect? Um, I have never talked with the Colonel's son. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to talk with Philip Corso for about four or five, six hours. Uh, when we were at the 50th anniversary 1997 conference in Roswell. He and I literally talked for, we did an interview with Art Bell that was very long and then he and I talked for hours and I had brought various cases and books and uh, it was very refreshing to talk with somebody that was giving me honest, straightforward answers. And then uh, eventually, uh, but his son was not in those discussions at that particular conference because he was doing other uh, work with somebody while the colonel and I were talking. But I was able to bring up difficult subjects and the colonel went deep into the well with me about what he knew. There is so much. There are so many facets. They go in so many different directions. And the whole idea of even trying to understand the real nature of this particular universe is part of the challenge. So uh, I was also able 
to see firsthand the original manuscript that Colonel Corso submitted for the book that became the day after Roswell. And it had more information in it. So on that score, I have been able to talk with the Colonel directly. And, uh, and maybe at some point uh, I can talk further with his son. But let's go on to other questions. Yes, regarding the cattle mutilations, I've got two questions here. One from Tim Ambrose, who says, was there any evidence of cattle mutilations in commercial feedlots? But also, I think we can tie this in here from Ima Enigma. Were there any mutilations reported during the cattle drives in the Old West or by the indigenous um, American people? You would think so if this was a paranormal thing. Interesting modern phenomena. Who recorded these first? really two good questions and about the cattle drives I am personally not aware of anybody ever reporting any mutilations in a cattle drive if you have such information I would appreciate if you'd email me at earthfiles at earthfiles.com about the slaughterhouses and the places for preparing food and all of that where or somebody who had animals in a corral I uh, went to one of the slaughterhouses when I was working at Channel 7 and was working on a strange harvest. And it was uh, difficult to go there and see the operation. And it probably was an irony that has never left me that we are very concerned about the bloodless, trackless, mutilations of a variety of animals that range from cattle to horses to every domestic animal that you can think of, and then wild animals that include reindeer and elk and marmots and kangaroos, and it just goes on and on of the type of animals that have been found with these same bloodless high heat at the excision line, excisions. And my watching what happened in the slaughterhouse and talking with the owner of the slaughterhouse, I had asked that question. Have you ever had any animals brought here in which an ear, eye, tongue, jaw, flesh, genitals, rectum removed? And the answer in the 79 to 80 time period in Colorado at that time was no. That doesn't mean that it hasn't happened. But I think based on, I, I've, I've truly have interviewed about 3,000 people in the abduction syndrome. I have been to hundreds of sites having to do with animal mutilations in many, many different places. And I think that whatever the challenge program it is, that it has to do with the harvest of certain blood lines for genetic manipulation. And that certain blood lines also, I think, applies to humans. And that we are dealing with, as I've shared before, the DIA man who told me that he had worked on trying to understand the conflict between three competing extraterrestrial civilizations 
concerning earth and that there was long and bitter war in which the sides that would be pitted would be reptilians versus Nordics <coughs> versus greys, the greys collaborating with the Nordics versus the reptilians in some cases, but there have been other cases where reptilians and greys have been on the same ship. So it, it, clearly it's not easily comprehensible. And then as time has evolved, more, uh, I would say, more emphasis has been brought about the tall whites, which were not discussed earlier in the 70s and the early 80s, at least not in the way they are today. But fresh genetic material, I think, is what it, the goal is. Now the why, by whom, to what end? I'm certain that the government of the United States and the UK and the allies of World War II, Australia and New Zealand and Canada, I think all of those, they, they have a lot of information. So I'm going to throw it back to all of you. If we don't have solid official answers about the who, what, and why, do you feel that this is information that you should know about? Or is it the who presents the information to you in which category of context the original non-humans working through tall whites and Nordics, working through different agencies in the United States, or waiting for the government itself to finally make the official statement, we're in a universe that's full of consciousness and other life forms, and then use that as a context to backtrack into animal mutilations and human abductions. And I'm putting it out like that because this must be the kind of discussion that goes on and has gone on in the Pentagon and in JSOC and others that are in control. How do you open up the information to the world public when some of it is difficult? I've been working at it for 45 years. And I think, I think, that I have been able to get a, out a lot of facts and a lot of truth without people running to the exits or screaming. So on that note, Ian, <laughs> I'll go to another question. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge our Super Chats tonight. So here we go. Uh, Moonbird, thank you. Terry, Shane Payne, Oddly Oz, Bruce Jackson, Rosanna Rigby from Australia, Miss. Tammy125, Mike Basil, and Whisper of Love. But thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for your thank you, Thank you. Okay. And, and for those out there, Ian, right now, yes. we could break through uh, 260,000 subscribers right now on the air. If some of you who haven't subscribed would do so right now, right? We're close. 
That's right. In fact, we're 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 very close. So just keep subscribing. Yeah. People. Let's try and get. Let, let's see, and we can announce on the air if, in the next fifteen minutes, we break through. That would be fun if, if we did that. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe and also hit the likes as well. That always helps. Okay, Linda, we've got some comments from people who are actually experiences uh, tonight. We've got Josephine Kulo is here from Kenya. She says, I too had a UFO visit in the early 80s, though I thought they were skeletons that I dreamt about. Listening and watching your channel has enlightened me. Thank you. It's, well, thank it's you. Good to hear, it's good to hear uh, people from Kenya tuning into Earth Files as well, that we're reaching all over the world, but also that the phenomena is global. So that's important. Yes, well. it, it is, Ian. But what was that that she wrote that she thought she had seen? Well, it's like a lot of people come to us and they say that they thought their original experiences were dreams. Oh, she yes. says she just, well, she describes them as skeletons that she dreamt about. And now it's enlightened her to realize that it was an actual UFO visit or connected with a UFO visit. Yeah, the, when the word skeleton is used and then you ask a person to illustrate, you realize that it probably is one of the tall, thin, they are so thin grays that you can imagine that Homo sapien would see one of them even if they're in a healthy condition for them and think of a skeleton. That's right. And uh, I think that people sometimes, uh, they obviously they use screen images as well uh, to disguise what they actually are. And people sometimes right. fit in with what they think they might be. We've got Melissa Wentland Moreno. Moreno is here as well. She says that, uh, greetings from Hudson Valley, New York. I live on the Northeast UFO corridor. I actually asked her if she had any sightings or encounters. She says, oh yeah, my whole family at various times alone and together, time loss, implants, etc. With which type? Well, that's really important. Everybody, yeah, send in the types that you are seeing in dreams or in your room or fading in and out or whatever it is that you think could be a holographic projection, a real uh, being. Always uh, try to illustrate, make a sketch so that for someone like me who has been uh, uh, through so many different interviews, if I can tell even from a sketch pretty much the type. And it's very important to understand the types that are interacting in any given uh, moment. And remembering as well that some people have experiences with multiple types That's right. of beings as well. Okay, we've got um, a question from Carrie Rutherford who says, what should a person do if they feel they've been abducted or experimented on? Who should they turn to? Opus is one group that I think they are really trying. Um, I, uh, Opus has spent, you can just go to uh, the, your URL bar and type in uh, OPUS, all caps, it was founded by Les Velez, a longtime friend uh, in MUFON, and he had the, um, I guess you would say, angst about who do we go to? Who can we match up people in the abduction syndrome? And that's what Opus tries to do, and it's easier to just go to a website and 
and type in OPUS and then you'll see streams and streams of information. But they really are trying for the people who want to have hypnosis to try to recover partial memories or whole memories with deeper communication. And because they're working with uh, hypnotherapists uh, all over and, and they're trying to find at least one or two per state, then those are people who don't have to be brought up to speed. They already know the whole uh, big, huge human abduction, we'll call it canvas. And so that makes it better for anyone who would like to work with a hypnotherapist to recover memory uh, or explore the symbols that you have seen or whatever it might be. Um, these are people that Opus knows are uh, familiar and can work with you, hopefully, in whatever state uh, that you are in. Go ahead. Ian. That's right, yes. Yes. Uh, and also, there's uh, several people, several uh, states as well, also have some abduction support groups. Also, if you go to Contact in the Desert, they also do a cosmic cafe where people can share their experiences, and that helps a lot of people too. Okay, I've got some um, points here. Bonnie Robbins makes the point that a 1,200-pound cattle has at least 10 gallons of blood. And Aliens for Beginners podcast says, when Linda Porter was shown her defective heart on the craft, there was no blood. It seems like That's they right. have a tool for it, this. No, she was not shown her heart. She was shown oh, the, the heart that was taken from the calf uh, in and one of the illustrations, although, sorry, th that's one scene. You're right when we were back into the room of the tubes. Sorry, I was thinking of uh, another aspect of this. Um, and you're right, the gray was demonstrating for her on what was supposed to be a man uh, who was going to be put in a new body and put in Australia and that the gray showed her what he was going to do with her by his gray hand with the long four fingers went like this down into the chest and came up with the heart in one swoop. She thought that's what happened. It was like one swoop with no surgery and some, somehow coming in and bringing up the heart. And then the communication was that he, this man's heart was weakened from disease and that it was important that this soul in this man be kept together in the same container and that what they showed her, the tubes that had a variety of beings that were extraterrestrial and human, and that the bodies in those tubes were beings uh, sustained for different souls that match something in those bodies. And that when they showed, when the gray lifted up that heart and there was no blood, no fluid, it was telepathing to her that her heart had been damaged when she was a child and she had, <coughs> it was uh, some childhood disease that had left her heart weak. And that was her concept. They showed and demonstrated. But the man 
that they showed the demonstration with, they either revivified him because he was ended up standing in the floor with the gray and she saw that and then she doesn't remember what happened. Somewhere, I remember uh, uh, this whole idea of she would think and others in my Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, who have been introduced from the ETs to seeing their body or other bodies in tubes, that they were doing all of this because they were going to help her, that they were going to change her heart and she would be in one of these tube bodies of her own so that her soul would somehow be reunited and then she would be place back in life on earth. That was sort of the overall big story. And that the man who the gray was showing this bloodless heart and talking about how there was a defect and that the man would die and that they wouldn't allow that because that body and that soul had to stay together for a certain period of time. And so they communicated to her and showed her telepathically here that they were going to completely heal the man and put him in Australia in a place where he would never cross paths with his Minnesota or Michigan United States family, but that that would guarantee that that particular soul and that particular body would be together for the length of time that the ETs were saying was necessary. Now, I know that I brought you right up to the ledge. So what does that mean, keeping souls and bodies, certain ones, together, even taking them from a family in the United States and putting them in Australia or New Zealand as far away as possible so that the soul and the body type could continue to live? I don't have an answer for what exactly the big picture is. I never have talked with anybody who does, but there is some kind of, an, of a, what should we call it, a program having to do with specific souls in specific bodies being kept together in some way for some experimentation or genetic program that uh, some of the non-humans are doing. I wish I had definitive evidentiary answers, but I'm still, after 45 years, it's still a huge mystery. Keeps me going 18 hour days. <laughs> go ahead, Ian. Yeah, uh, just before I go to the next question, I just want to remind everyone that you're going to be at contact oh, uh, yeah. at um, at uh, Conscious Life Expo this weekend in Los Angeles. That's and right. I'm posting a, a link in the chat right now, and it's also in the description below and, the video tonight. And everybody pray it. that there are no uh, torrential rains <laughs> or more mud. Dear Los Angeles, we're in a evolutionary, revolutionary time on Earth. Go ahead, Ian. Okay, we've got another question about the soul. It's from CYRC. It says, this is my question. Could it be possible that we share our soul with beings out of this planet or dimension? What if our soul has different spirit projections 
12 question mark imagine the implication this is where i am personally doing more reading um the where where my i guess current thin superficial understanding is that the soul and here's the question to ask is it a soul that exists in every life form trillions of life forms are there trillions of soul types plasmas that a certain plasma that is made to absorb information in a homo sapien versus a soul that is made for a tall white or an elephant or an octopus when we use the word soul are we really talking about piece of the cosmic consciousness or is it even more refined that there are soul evolutions along lines like bloodlines soul lines and that the non-humans that are from my point of view there are many different but what they all seem to share is an interest in the human soul is our soul possibly a plasma that is made to gather information and return it to cosmic consciousness but is there something about the entire evolutionary path going back 278 million years to genetic manipulation of DNA and already evolving primates to create different lines of humanoids and here we are one that seems to have such glorious abilities and talents but is also so divisive and subject to war that it doesn't make sense we don't know i don't know what all of the different difficult goals problems are that on this huge game board that the recycling of souls in a variety of different bodies appears to be some kind of major theme in this particular universe once i've said that what i'm reading or trying to read are some books current and some books very old about the nature of the soul if you go into eastern literature there's probably more information but the truth is try asking a lot of people are you aware of your soul do you know what your soul is do you know what your soul does you, really it's largely blank and if the most important part of the evolutionary creation of homo sapien has to do with this soul plasma 
that gains information and contributes it back to some bigger whole. It could explain why we would be on a planet where the very divisiveness and the very wars and the conflicts of us as beings may be part of some huge test having to do with souls. So I would urge uh, all of you, and I will be happy in the future, to do a program having to do with where I think at least some of the information about soul development and evolution ties into various facets that I have become acquainted with when I'm talking with people in the human abduction syndrome that are dealing with non-humans. But there, remember, if there are different types of non-humans, there are different types of motives, there are different types of relationships with the U.S. government, and there certainly are different types of relationships between non-human and non-human, just like Earth. So, on that note, Ian, I have come to the bottom of this half hour, but I look forward to seeing the questions, the personal experiences of people coming after tonight's show and always forward, and wonder how close we got to the 266,000. Or 260, yeah, what was 260,000? Yeah, we're still about 40 off, but um, but I've Four just sent another request out. Yes, that's right. I've just sent another request out to our audience in the chat tonight. To yeah, you so guys, only 40 of you us. need to subscribe and we will break through the 200 and it's 260, right? 260, 260,000. Right. Yeah, we're so yeah, close. And I've also reminded everyone, if, if anyone's coming to uh, from our audience tonight, if you're coming to Contact, uh, Conscious Life Expo, come and say hello to us. We'd love to have our long chats with you as well. Yes, and I'm doing a very interesting um, lecture. Uh, it's what they call, I think it's the open first lecture, that will be about some of the uh, difficult aspects of human abductions and the uh, animal mutilations, but it's not gory, it's fascinating. That's what I'm trying to get across to people. The more we learn, the better. And that, and I'm also doing a big intensive having to do with whistleblower information that I think is especially important right now. And that's on Monday the 12th, right, Ian? I'm doing the big whistleblower intensive on Monday, but we're doing panels, we're doing lunches, dinners, and the lectures uh, in starting on 8th, 9th, or 9th, 10th, 11th. And then... That's right. And if, you, if you follow the link from, uh, from that I'm posting below the video and also in the chat tonight, you'll find all the information there. But yes, you are doing the panels as well, Linda, as well as the speaking engagements. And hopefully there will, the rain will have stopped and we will all be able to have fun at the LAX Hilton because being in that hotel that goes up and down with all of the different things going on at the different layers is really, truly fun. Don't you think so, Ian? Yes, that's right. This is don't forget this is in its twenty second year, so things are really 
really done well, that's well right. this, you know the, these so, days so that's really good it's a really professional yeah. conference to go to and agape hug to everybody out there and to Brad and to Ian and to Eric and my dear friends agape hug uh, I hope you'll get us through the 260 mark. And next week, I'll be with some of you at the Conscious Life Expo. science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com.